At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. We welcome you back in. It is hour number two of the run line. Hard to believe we've been doing this show Adam, every single Sunday night. Also, shout out to Josh Towers, who's had a big role in this show every single Sunday night here since April. Basically, I think it was April 6th was our first show. And here we are, halfway stretch, technically a little more than the halfway stretch. But uh, it, is, uh, it is the all-star break, and we've got a lot of topics to get to still here in hour number two. By the way, MLB draft first round tonight, and in, in yet another installment of guy that is drafted that makes us feel very old. The son of Carl Crawford, Justin Crawford, drafted 17th by the Philadelphia Phillies. Actually, a local uh, Las Vegas product. So that's cool to see. Carl Crawford, you view as very underrated. Yeah, Carl Crawford was a real good player. And in fact, uh, I, I see the resemblance between Carl Crawford and his son here. You, one of the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no questioning that he's Carl Crawford's son. But, you know, one thing I, I will say that we were talking about this a little bit before the break, mm-hmm. just in terms of, of prospect pools and, and really the Major League Baseball draft, Seeing a lot more toolsy types of players getting taken, guys that play middle infield positions or play center field, because I think a lot of teams in terms of player development now feel like, you know what, we can construct a swing in the lab. You know, we can use all the data that we have, all the track man and Hawkeye and all these different types of things that we have to really perfect a player, but we want athleticism. We want raw ability. You don't see a lot of the big, you know, 240-pound hulking first baseman guy that's projected to hit 40 home runs anymore. You see a lot of guys where it's, you know, the fielding tool is a 60 or a 70 on the 40 to 80 grading scale. You see, you know, guys where it's a lot of bat to ball, a lot of raw power, but maybe there's some area of the game that's lacking a little bit. Teams have just really changed their player development strategies now to where they want speed, they want skill, and they'll figure out the rest you know, with their player development. So I think it's yeah. it's been interesting to see that change. And, you know, we kind of see that a lot here, uh, I think, in the, in the first round of today's draft. 12 of the first 17 picks so far have either been middle infielders or center field slash right field, you know, versatile outfielder types. Right, and the rest have probably been pitchers. The, uh, one catcher selected. Oh, so yeah, the, that's The right. New York Mets took uh, – that was, and that was at least in Mets circles. They, that was kind of an interesting pick there because at number 11 they took uh, Kevin Parada, catcher from Georgia Tech. And I believe the Mets have – they have a – their number two overall organizational prospect is a triple-A catcher right now. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but just anyway, interesting that they would go uh, catcher that high. But they did, they did three picks later take a shortstop too, so that kind of makes sense, uh, at least for the Mets. And uh, Carl Crawford, 
great player to use if, if you were an MVP baseball 2005 aficionado like I was. I mean, that guy was a total cheat code in MVP baseball 2005. Just that the, video game specifically. The Bo Jackson of, of MVP baseball Pretty 05. much. The Tecmo Super Bowl Bo Jackson. Pretty much. MVP baseball 2005. Great. Great game. Great discontinued uh, video game franchise. Let us do our first half awards here in 2022. Then we'll talk a couple more of these in-season win totals because I've got a few in the AL Central that we will discuss here with Adam Burke. Uh, we talk, it, and look, it, it has become kind of a tired conversation, at least for people like you and I. We're on VEASAN, this network, pretty much every day. The whole AL MVP discussion, it has become a bit obtuse, at least in, in my opinion, where like we've kind of said all we can say. It kind of comes down to now, at least if you're betting this, right? Do you think that Shohei Otani, it's like if you think the numbers bear out that he should win the award every year, then you're going to bet him every year. And if you don't really have trust in the voters because they're human and they not, aren't necessarily as analytical as we are as betters, then you probably stay away from this market. That, that's kind of how I have been. But generally, as MVP overall, uh, who, who has been to you, Adam, just overall, your most valuable player if we're taking the betting markets out of it here first half of the season if we go first AL and then talk NL? Well, Big I've, said this, eye from Adam Burke I, as well. well <laughs> I've said this before on the show, and, and this will continue to be the case until he's no longer playing both ways. Shohei Otani is the MVP every single year. He does something that nobody else can do, and he's very good at hitting and pitching. So to me, I mean, what he does is so special, and I know people talk about the novelty wearing off. I, I can't fathom that. Like, we are seeing something we have never seen before. We talk about feeling old. You know, the, the people that are, are watching us that are in their 60s or 70s or listening to us or whatever, they've never seen anything like Shohei Otani. Yeah. So he's the MVP in my mind every single year for what he's able to do. With that being said, Jordan Alvarez has really carried the Houston Astros offense quite a bit throughout the course of this year, where Jose Altuve has been good. He's missed a little bit of time with a couple of different injuries, but Bregman hasn't been as good as expected. Kyle Tucker really, I don't think, has been as good either. Michael Brantley's missed some time. Alvarez has been a huge cog in that Astros lineup, and I'm not quite sure they'd still lead the West. I don't think they'd lead it by as much as they do without what Alvarez has done. And the other one is, I mean, for Jose Ramirez, like, in watching this Guardians offense every day and looking at their statistical profile and looking at their hard hit percentage, just the complete lack of contact quality for most of the guys on that team, they would be 10 games under 500 without Jose Ramirez, if not more. So I've always said that we need to have a difference between most valuable and most outstanding because the level of value that a player provides to his team is different than being the best player in baseball. No doubt. So that's my soapbox on it. I like how I like how we're going. Soapbox here. L let me just say, and yeah, I, nothing for me really to add again on, on the AL MVP side. I certainly t completely agree with you. I mean, look, what Aaron Judge is doing is uh, <laughs> 33 home runs. When a guy is on good. a near 60 home run pace, and you are, uh, you have kind of been that figurehead atop of a team that is on a near 115 win pace. I don't know how you can look at that. And it, yeah, if, if you're kind of doing the differentiation between most valuable and, and overall best player in baseball. I mean, Judge, it's kind of hard not to look at him. Again, if we're throwing out the whole, okay, we can establish that Otani, by virtue of being this incredible two-way player, is automatically that guy. I would at least, though, on the NL side, make a case for Austin Riley, and I would more look at it as and the guy. He's 10th in WRC+, plus among, among major league qualified hitters, third in the National League, and a guy who, like, like I 
certainly respect everything Paul Goldschmidt has done, but as we've talked about, the reality is that is a pretty deep lineup that has had no issues with hitting top to bottom all season. And it's still a Cardinal team that finds themselves just barely over 500, is not even, uh, is, is certainly right now in the wild card race, but uh, still is a dog to even come out of that division. Manny Machado has gone ice cold recently and is part of a general Padre team that if there's anything we've learned about San Diego over the past month, Adam, it's that they could really use a Fernando Tatis in the lineup, which I think that kind of disqualifies Machado, even though he's had, again, really good stretches. And you look then at, uh, so uh, Freddie Freeman, by the way, second in NLWRC+. Again, very loaded lineup. There are three different guys in that lineup who have been able to support a Dodgers team basically this entire time. Whereas with Austin Riley and the Braves, like you have no Ronald Acuna Jr. for a pretty big stretch early on. Braves team had a lack of consistency. Even though you look now, and the offensive numbers are certainly good. I mean, they're second in home runs and they're top half in the league in pretty much every uh, you know, batting metric that you're going to look at as a team. If you're looking for, for a guy who's been so unheralded and who's actually helped the team keep its head above water and now help make a charge... Like, he's a guy. I mean, he's, he's on pace to hit another 40 home runs this year and drive in 100, 100 batters, plus, over 150 WRC+. plus. I could at least make the argument there. If I just wanted to kind of go off the board here and say, you know what, if, if I don't necessarily, like, I can respect what these top guys have done, but they're also part of infrastructures and teams that have so much talent around them. In a weird way, the Braves have needed a guy like O'Reilly to actually keep them in this NL East race, as much as we want to talk about what, Acuna, you know, brings to that team and an you know, Ozzie Albies type. That would be my that would be my kind of off the wall pick here for the first half. Yeah, I mean Austin Riley has been great, and especially from a power standpoint, as you mentioned, you know, Dansby Swanson's a guy that's actually been really, really good defensively at short. He's seventh in the league in, in Fangraph's calculation of WAR, wins above replacement player. So he's been really good too, and he's not even you know listed as as one of the shorter prices uh, on the board here for Atlanta. It, it's one of those things where again, you know. To me, you've got most valuable and most outstanding. Where without Manny Machado, I don't know where this Padres team is because offensively, they're quite bad. And that's with Machado having a good season here. You talked about they need Fernando Tatis Jr. back. At the same time, he's really going to hurt them defensively. So that'll be something that they kind of have to contend with, something that they have to deal with. The one thing I'll say about the current odds board here is that Paul Goldschmidt had that really, really good stretch. And obviously, he's had a strong season, but... The idea that Nolan Arenado can be found out there in the market at 35 to 1 and Goldschmidt's basically minus 110 or even money is crazy to me. I mean, Arenado's third in the league in F war. He's the best defensive third baseman. He leads the National League in F war, trailing only Rafael Devers and Aaron Judge. And you can find him at 35 to 1 out there. I mean, I get it, I guess. Goldschmidt's got the better offensive numbers, but they're not really, you know, too far off from Arenado, especially when you consider what Arenado's done defensively. Yeah. I think ultimately, you know, I, I guess Goldschmidt would, you know, is the deserving that's, favorite. Yeah, that's the still. default option. I, right. It, the point is there are compelling cases to make for other guys. And right. That's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. Right well, and, and here's the question, right? So Austin Riley, or, or even Ronald Acuna Jr. for that matter, I, I would trust a long-term projection of Acuna over one for Riley, who strikes out quite a bit. Mm -hmm. and as we just talked about, the Braves have played nobody for, you know, they played maybe – the Dodgers I mean, that's also and, totally and the Giants, too. I guess, you know, here over the last six to eight weeks, as we talked about, the schedule ramps up quite a bit in difficulty, which means more guys would swing and miss. So Riley's numbers probably are going to fall back a little bit here, I would think. But also, too, the, the exercise as well. You look at how, for a lot of these books, as soon as a guy goes on a heater and the odds come down, 
there's not much incentive there for the book to right. push the odds back up to a fair price. So you kind of end up seeing these longer shots at this point. Certainly, from a value perspective, they deserve to be shorter. And yeah, should the gap between Goldschmidt and Arenado be from 30 to 1 to minus 110? Definitely not. It's kind of the reality of, of how these overall odds boards look throughout the entire season. Uh, we'll do also on, on the other side here, we're going to talk real or fake, but also want to get your thoughts on the three AL Central teams who've got a shot to win this division. We've We've had the division. I feel like we've had the division discussion. That's probably if you power rank the number of segments we've done on the show, Adam. First half of the year, we've probably talked about the AL Central the most of any single overall divisional race. So we'll kind of mix it up. We'll talk the overall uh, in-season win totals because there are some fascinating ones: Twins eighty-five and a half, White Sox eighty-three and a half, Guardians eighty-one and a half. So start uh, start ruminating on that, Adam. We're going to talk about that next. Also, get into real or fake. Two very interesting candidates to discuss at the All-Star break. That is coming up next as we roll on. Final hour of The Run Line here from v the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is The Run Line. Call this year's Derby and you could win big in the T-Mobile Home Run Derby Prediction Pool. Enter and take a swing at your share of $25,000 in prizes in a trip to the World Series. Presented by Capital One. Visit www.draftkings.com slash T-Mobile to make your free predictions. T-Mobile, they deliver outstanding wireless experiences, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com for details. As we welcome you back, thanks again to Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass, Andrew Ingold, our technical director. We got Oliver Taylor in the house, all helping out on a Sunday night from the Circus Sportsbook Studio, downtown Las Vegas. Back with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. We will discuss right now some of these in-season win totals. We've been I've been waiting to do this for some time, Adam, but they've been very finicky. Some books are very different about when they post these, when they when they take them down, when they leave them up. But there are a couple shops right now that are still offering these. William Hill, the main one in the Nevada jurisdiction. I would expect probably by Tuesday we would see all the big operators on the East Coast uh, hang all these lines, Adam. So all for one, be really curious to see based on different jurisdictions and books where the differences are here because you might not that you might you know be in positions to necessarily middle here but it's fascinating to think about how now that we're into kind of that new wave right of bookmaking where there are so many different ways to bet now how do books interpret some of these teams so like you know minnesota 85 and a half they're they are i mentioned how the brewers worst run differential of any division leader right now 
Minnesota second worst, just a plus 28 run differential. As we get to the halfway mark of the year, the Twins at this point come in. Two-game lead over your Cleveland Guardians. Three-game lead over the Chicago White Sox, who crawled their way back to 500 here with a, a blowout win today over Minnesota. 85 and a half right now. If we look at the Twins here, they've won uh, at least to this point. They're on an 86-win pace, so that number kind of reflects that. Uh, what do you make realistically, Twins, now that we're at least We'll get away from the whole division discussion, but just on a team-by-team -team basis here, what, what to make of Minnesota in the second half? Well, I think Minnesota is going to be up against it a little bit because they've used the bullpen extensively. They have not gotten a lot of starting pitching innings, and you know, Yohan Duran's a guy that's absolutely incredible, but you know, they're trying to protect him as well. He doesn't really pitch back-to-back -back days all that often. I think it's going to be hard to see them you know, kind of take the kid gloves off of him in the second half and use him in a lot of these high-leverage situations that they're going to have. Uh, as they try to chase down a playoff spot, you know, I just, I think the offense is fine. I think there's some guys that are definitely overperforming in that offense. And, you know, we're probably a week or so away from another Byron Buxton injury, unfortunately, because that's just a guy that can't stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And if he goes out, that would be a huge loss for them, both offensively and defensively. I think the twins of the division leaders, and this is a pretty strong limb to go out on. They are the most vulnerable. I will say that. They've got ten to um, what nine head-to-head -head games left with the White Sox here, so maybe those are the games that kind of decide the division. But I'm just not a, a long-term believer here in Minnesota. If, if they win this division, it's because the division's not very good. It's kind of, it's kind of been the point we've made all right. year along, this, along these lines, and it's why even now, when still a dog, they've been – I mean, the, the biggest they've been – as a favorite, has been in only the minus 115-120 range right now at DraftKings plus 110, Sox plus a buck 25, and the Guardians plus 425. Again, that those numbers not reflective of that uh, the win we had before the show, where the White Sox now I get to 46 and 46, and I'm seeing the latest live numbers at DraftKings though are still exactly the same, at least on uh, on the odds board. Yonder end the usage it reminds me of of Josh Hader from his first full year in Milwaukee, and I just pulled up the numbers. Hater, he was brought up midseason 2017, but 2018 only appeared in 55 games, but through 81 and a third inning. So it was a guy that they would use two to three innings at a time. They would give him two, three days off in between stints. And Yuan Duran, since coming up this year, 33 appearances, 42 innings. And you project that out now to the rest of the year. So it's if you compare that with Hater, certainly he's not, it has been as much of an extender guy. Usually two innings has been his general, uh, his general limit, but. You just kind of wonder, like, give him, say, you know, 20 to 25 more appearances in the regular season, Adam, and that pretty quickly gets up to near that 75-inning mark where I'm sure they wouldn't want to go much higher than that. And if you're if you're Rocco Baldelli, manager, and you're trying to plan for a postseason, you'd, you'd have to factor that in as well. So uh, you add in a guy whose average fastball velocity is 101. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you quantify that when you're trying to – it's not like a normal starting pitcher who's up against an innings limit. It's – the, one of the fastest-throwing relievers, probably the fastest-throwing reliever we've had since Aroldis Chapman came to the bigs. Well, and again, I think it's really important to talk about what we discussed earlier, where Chicago has the lowest strength of schedule remaining in the second half. They're already done with Toronto. They're already done with the Yankees. They're already done with Boston. They're done with a lot of the better teams in the American League, whereas the Twins still have another series left with Boston. They have another series left with the Yankees. They've got two games left with the Dodgers. They've got another series left against Toronto. So... That's the thing, too, is you know Chicago has a much weaker remaining strength of schedule because they've already knocked out some of the really tough teams. Also, the White Sox have gotten healthy. We really haven't seen Chicago healthy at any point mm -hmm. throughout the course of this season here. 
Whereas the Twins, I think for the most part, have been pretty healthy. Joe Ryan missed time with uh, COVID, but outside of that, they've been pretty healthy for the most part. Buxton missed a little bit of time, but you know that that wasn't too big of a deal for them. So if the White Sox have some better health fortunes, you know, in spite of their manager, I, I think this is still yep. a division that they can win. Which bet would you rather make? Right now, White Sox over 83 and a half wins in season or take them at a, as, as we mentioned, you can still find them at a plus price to win that uh, division plus 125. What, what's the bet you'd be making there? Well, I, I guess I'd probably look more at the over 83 and a half just because, you know, I don't know what the Royals are going to look like the rest of the way. I don't know what the Tigers are going to look like the rest of the way. There's a chance, and, and I think the Guardians can fall off the pace a little bit as well. There's a chance that Minnesota and Chicago both go over their win totals and the White Sox just win the division anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I would be looking at here. Um, maybe Guardians under 81 and a half as well. I mean, so you're you know, Aaron not Savali a believer is, in, in your team. Somehow. Aaron Savali is hurt again. You know, Zach Plesak has been very up and down. Uh, Shane Bieber, you know, has the, the well-documented velocity decline. And of course, he's pitched well through it. But Jose Ramirez has got the thumb injury that he's been playing through. Andres Jimenez has never been through the grind of a full season. Uh, neither has Steven Kwan. It's a very, very young baseball team that I think could hit a wall come September. Now, if they're still in the hunt, maybe that's kind of a shot in the arm for them. But it's another situation where they have a very, very strong prospect pool that I don't know if they're going to deal from to really help out the Major mm-hmm. League Ball Club. So I don't know if they'll, they'll get any kind of reinforcements, proven veterans at the deadline, anything like that. I think that's a team that just the rigors of 162 games may catch up with a lot of guys that have never done it before. And it's something we talked about right at the top with Juan Soto, where would this be Would this be if, if it was a team that actually wanted to invest and had, had a package of prospects to deliver, plus some other, you know, plus other at least usable pieces at the major league level? Yeah, sure. But we, you've talked about, we know from experience, probably not likely to happen. Uh, it's a team right now, and again, you look at the strength of schedules, we talked about the White Sox, easiest down the stretch. Both the Twins and Guardians, they're pretty much middle of the pack here. Twins, I'm seeing 16th in strength of schedule. Guardians are 17th. So they're both leaning just slightly to the easier side, but by no means is it, is it the same as what you see out of, out of Chicago at this point. Guardians, 46 and 44. So if you, if you bet that under 81.5, you're essentially betting on a, a just slightly under 500 pace here the rest of the way. With that, uh, it, it's, it's just fun, this division. I mean... Here we are. We've had the conversation, what, six, seven times uh, throughout the course of the show that's run you know, once a week for three and a half months. It's basically been half of our shows. And, and now the White Sox, it, we talked about, too, how that series against Minnesota was going to be such, uh, such a telling sign, right, for a team that we were, I mean, for as much. And we started having this conversation, Adam. I remember you brought up strength of schedule, I mean, back in mid-May with the White Sox. But at the same time, it, it really did feel like this last weekend was – Certainly a turning point for them. And you look at it, now they come into the break where take three or four from the Twins. that They easily could have been down seven games in the division. You probably would have been getting a two-to-one price on them. Instead, you win three or four. You win seven to ten coming into the break. You, you, know, you take a, uh, you, at least you split a, a four-game series with the Guardians after dropping the first two. For all the issues we've talked about and all the times we've made fun of Tony Orluza as the manager on the show, is it weird to even suggest this, that this is probably as good as you felt about the White Sox pretty much all year, even though they're 500 in a team that was a $2 division favorite at the start of the year? Yeah, I think so, especially because, you know, I mean, Johnny Cueto's been pretty effective for them. Lucas Giolito's looked a little bit better here of late. Dylan Cease has been dominant for the last, I think his last eight starts, he's given up like three earned runs or something like that. You know, Liam Hendricks is now back in the bullpen. 
And fortunately, it's the all-star break, so Tony LaRusso can't use him three straight <laughs> days. So they're getting healthier. You know, Eloy Jimenez just came back. Tim Anderson has been playing pretty regularly again. There, there are a lot of, I think, positives with this White Sox team. And, you know, they're, they're starting to get to a point now, I think, where they have a lot of their talent back so they can kind of outperform the mistakes that Larusa makes. Because when you're dealing with a bunch of call-ups and guys that you're slotting into the lineup off the bench and stuff like that, when managers make mistakes, they're more glaring. But now they've increased their margin for error by just virtue of getting people back. Yeah, and well, it'll be another, we talked about, this is a third straight massive AL Central series coming out of the All-Star break. Four games set in Chicago, guaranteed right field against the Guardians starting uh, on Friday, that'll include a double header as well. Another rainout for for the Guardians today. That's, how many is that? Eleven. 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 So they have a double dip on Saturday, but after that, at Colorado and then home A's, home Royals, at Rangers, at Royals, home Tigers. It's until mid-August where the White Sox will play a legit contender. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty betting fast. White Sox win the Central this week. He's doing all right. He's finally doing it. Adam Burke. It's time. He's, he's fine. We'll talk real or fake. Couple of interesting candidates to discuss next on the Run Line. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season. For your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes, head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better, 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. We've come to that time of year, Adam Burke, where we're sitting here in our beautiful Circa Sportsbook Studio, and the only live game on is Major League Soccer. Columbus Crew and Cincinnati FC. I'm a, like, I'm a big soccer guy. Like I, I watched Premier League, Bundesliga, League uh. I just can't get into MLS. Just can't do it. I don't watch any of it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I don't. Know. I don't watch it. I, 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 I watch the World Cup, I guess, every now and yeah. then. Yeah, Euro. Euro. No, every. No. Well, nobody's going to watch the World Cup this year because it's in the middle of football season. So. That's true. What a shame. We could be handicapping World Cup games right now, but instead the Qataris decided to screw everything up. So for what for whatever that's worth, uh, let us talk real or fake, because we have I've had a lot of fun talking about some of these guys. Giving me a new perspective on like on how to evaluate individual talents. We've done this a lot with pitchers, but I like how we've pivoted a little bit. And I say we. It's basically you, Adam. I mean, you're doing all the work on this. Pivoted here to some of the hitters over the past few weeks. Let's talk Josh Bell, who we opened the show talking Juan Soto in Washington and how there's just kind of a net zero around the rest of that lineup, and there's just not much else helping him out. Uh, Josh Bell, interesting career where he's really never been in the spotlight for whether that was Pittsburgh, whether that's Washington. Now, uh, what do you make of a, of a guy like him who's sneakily, quietly having a pretty good year at the plate? Yeah, no, is it a pretty good year? It's a career year for him. And it's really strange because I'm a big believer in the contact quality metrics as we've talked about hard hit percentage, barrel rate, all of that. So Josh Bell's hard hit percentage going into today's game was actually down 12%. From last season, he was at 51.5. So over half of his batted balls last year were hit at least 95 miles per hour. This season, 39.5. So that's a pretty significant drop. Also a decrease in barrel rate from 8.8% to 7.6%. However, going into today's game, his batting average was up 50 points from last year, even with the lower contact quality. On-base percentage was up 42 points. Slugging was up 30 points. So 
you do see the difference there in slugging where it's a little bit smaller than everything else mm -hmm. because of that decrease in contact quality. But his batting average on balls in play this season is 333. It was 276 last year with that extreme hard hit percentage. So last year he got unlucky. This year it seems like he's getting a little bit lucky. But the reason I wanted to bring him up specifically is because he's a free agent at the end of the year on a bad Nationals team. And when you start talking about the rental hitters that are out there, and by rental I mean guys that aren't signed past this year. Teams will have them for two months and whatever their playoff duration is. This guy is a really good piece to add, but I think some teams will overpay for him because I think that his numbers are a little bit fake. It's real that he's a good hitter, that he's an above-average hitter, but hitting to this degree does seem like he's overperforming a little bit, especially relative to those contact metrics kind of coming down some. So I'll be really curious to see what happens with him and what the trade market looks like for him because some teams will be very interested in adding him, and I don't know if he's going to perform up to their expectations. How much do you do you believe in the year 2022 GMs league-wide are, are doing the deep dive like you are on, on this stuff? Is it, I mean, are, are GMs simply, like, are they going, because we know they're now looking more at analytics to a degree, but is it as simple as looking at it and saying, oh, 148 WRC plus 2.6 war, and that's where they, they stop? Or do you think that the, those sorts of conversations like we're talking about will be had as we, as we get here near the trade deadline and, and his name comes up. Well, I think something that's important to talk about too here is just like we talked about with Juan Soto seeing a lot fewer fastballs, it's the same thing for Josh Bell. So maybe a team, another more I think about it, maybe a team will actually look at him and say, you know what, he's already having a good offensive year, but when we put him into a better lineup, you know, he's a guy with a hard hit percentage, 46% in 2019, 43% in 2020, the 51.5% last year. Acquiring GMs may look at him and say, you know what? He could get better. In our lineup, where he's going to see more fastballs, he could get better. So maybe there's a degree of unsustainability to what he's doing with mm -hmm. Washington, but put him in a better lineup where he's got other guys that pitchers are worried about outside of just Juan Soto, then you know maybe his offensive profile goes up a little bit. So I kind of talked myself into circles on this <laughs> yeah, one, I, I guess. Know. But, That's kind but of part is, of the It is really interesting to, to do a deep dive on a player and see his average exit velocity is down over three miles per hour from last year, but his offensive numbers are better. So it just kind of speaks to the nature of baseball embodied through just one player. We went into this thinking he was fake, and now you think he's real. What would, what would be a two or three teams that you would see realistically being a good fit for Bell at the trade deadline? Well, uh, you know, he's a guy that doesn't really play a position, so that's kind of a challenge. He plays first base. He can play the outfield, but you don't really want to put him out there. So you start thinking about teams that, you know, could either use a DH or, or maybe kind of an upgrade at first base. Uh, you know, I, I think a team like Boston maybe. You know, obviously J.D. Martinez can't really play the field much, but mm -hmm. you know, maybe he's a guy that you slot in there at first base. Um, yeah, obviously a team like the Guardians could really use him. I think that would be something that would kind of elevate their lineup a little bit with Franmil Reyes really struggling, but do they want to get into a bidding war, you know, over a player like that? Uh, you would know maybe better than I would. Seems like he's a pretty good fit for the Brewers. I, well, who funny, could use I was any I was, kind of offensive. Upgrade. I was just thinking about that, and I, I mean, David Stern familiar with the NL Central. Hit, I mean, he hit the last full year he played in Pittsburgh, only hit 37 homers and drove in 116. So the Brewers very familiar with him. And they've, look, they've been very aggressive, especially going after guys they feel like will translate well into the at times hitter-friendly confines of American Family Field. That, that park metric has kind of gone back and forth in recent years, but 
it would fit the bill. And they've, look, they've also not been afraid of going after guys, even when they're solid at a position where, like, they, I mean, Rowdy Telez has probably been their most consistent day to day performer at a given position at first base, but that hasn't stopped them in the past from stockpiling on different positions. And, and David Stern's strategy has always been, yeah, we'll just figure it out later. I mean, they did that, they've done that in years past. The Willie Adama signing was a great example when they were already pretty much set at shortstop and they were like, hey, we, we love this guy's potential. We want to figure it out. And, and, they, and they certainly, they've done that too with having four, four everyday outfielders at times and they've just kind of figured it out. So that could make sense. Uh, and speaking of the NL Central as well, Another player that we think could easily be on the move, Brandon Drury out of Cincinnati. And number of Reds, Adam, have, after that ridiculously awful three wins in the first 25-game start, number of offensive players for the Reds who've really raised their general profile and figure to be a pretty good assets. Kyle Farmer's one of the first guys to me that comes to mind who's had a sneakily good year. Brandon Drury, uh, he's, he's, in a, he's in a pretty good spot as well this year with a WRC plus of over 130. Yeah, so Brandon Drury is a really interesting guy because – he hasn't been very healthy throughout the course of his career, but this season he's been healthy and he's been extremely productive. We're talking about a guy who's a career 254 hitter with a 303 on base, 433 slugging. This season, 278 average, 336 on base, 528 slugging, almost a 44% hard hit rate and almost a 12% barrel rate. Now, the concern with a guy like Drury is he's playing in Cincinnati and his numbers are significantly better at home. But also, he's signed through, well, he's arbitration eligible next year. This is his fourth year of arbitration. So he's not a full-on rental player. You would have an extra year of control if you opted to go through that process with him. But this is a guy that hasn't had more than 100 plate appearances since 2019. So now he's healthy, and he's been really productive. And he's the kind of guy, he can play multiple positions. He's a really good fit for a team like Tampa Bay, for example, especially with Wander Franco out now until probably mid-September or so. He's one of those guys that, you know, again, having a career year, right? So you acquire him, what do you get? We don't really know. I have to assume that there's a certain degree of fraudulence to what he's mm -hmm. done so far, just because he's never done it before, and because you get those big home road splits in terms of park factors. So, you know, his asking price has to be a little bit lower. I'm sure the Reds will ask for the moon, but it has to be a little bit lower because he does have more pedestrian numbers on the road. So I think this one is actually pretty fake here where I don't think Brandon Drury gotcha. is that productive, but because he's versatile enough to play multiple positions, because he's been a guy that's typically hit lefties really well throughout his career, he'll be a valuable asset to a team that acquires him at the trade deadline, assuming he gets dealt. And I do think that he will, but I wouldn't expect this level of performance to continue. Are, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm totally off base here. Like, I, it seems like a classic Yankees guy that they just like. They don't need a guy like that, but they just say, you know what? Could we use a platoon player potentially in, in specific home matchups against lefties? Yeah, sure, we could use that down the stretch. I don't know why that's the first team that comes to mind, Adam. But I, I think of a team like that that would kind of say, you know what? We could certainly whiff on an acquisition like this. We have, we don't care about giving up some some smaller pieces in exchange. We're fine with making it taking a risk like that and. If it works out and he becomes a Matt Carpenter off the bench, then great. That, that, that seems like the type of profile he would fit, not necessarily a guy that you want to trade for and just plug in every day in the lineup. Well, he did play 18 games with the Yankees back in right. 2018. I, I, maybe that's so, why I'm thinking so of that. So there was, was that, but was I think the Rays are a good fit, especially with yeah. Harold Ramirez going out today, a guy who hits lefties pretty well. Now there's a little bit more urgency for them to, to get another bat in there, and I think he makes sense, and I think there's a chance 
that deal could even happen before games resume on Thursday. That was what, Arizona to the Yankees back mm-hmm. in 18? Yeah. So we've already been down that, down that path before. That's probably where my mind is going. I'm going to give myself more credit, but I, should. sh- I shouldn't be giving any Always credit. give yourself credit, oh. Ben Wilson. Yeah. Always. Edinburgh. Edinburgh, kindest man uh, of the two of us uh, on the desk. We're going to talk some... absolutely not true, by the way. Uh, we're going to talk home run derby next. The odds are out, and we've got takes as we wrap up the show here on The Run Line. You found VEASAN's Premier Baseball. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Football betting show, this is The Run Line. Welcome back in final segments of the run line here from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Let us discuss everybody's favorite event to bet on, especially when there's nothing else to bet on. So naturally, we're gonna we're gonna go down our degenerate path and look to see if is there any value we kind of like in the home run derby starting tomorrow. Dodger Stadium, the site of the 2022 All-Star Game. You know, I went to a home run derby, 2011. It was my dad's uh, high school graduation gift to me. We sat next to Steve Garvey. Okay. Who had just been fired amidst the whole, that was remember the summer the whole Frank McCourt uh, divorce thing played out, so all the front office people for the Dodgers were fired because Bud Selig and Major League Baseball took over the team, and we ended up sitting like a right next to Steve Garvey. It was pretty pretty awesome. My dad was like I was on Wikipedia on my phone looking up like who was Steve Garvey, and my dad was he's like it's funny at the time you know what he told me he said Ben he was the Ryan Braun of my generation. <laughs> Pretty funny comp, because at the time, Ryan Braun was like a five-time All-Star and very consistent, just yeah. interesting. Anyway. I, too, have been to a home run yeah. derby. 1997, Jacobs Field. Jake the Jake. Hometown hero, Jim Tomey. Zero. Oh, Did really? Not I had no idea that happened. Him and so, Nomar Garcia-Para both went over. Who won that year? At Tino Martinez. Tino Even though Larry Tino. Walker hit more home runs. Oh, that one of those. Yeah. Tino like Martinez a Josh Hamilton at Yankee Stadium type deal. The, the year I was at, uh, Robinson Cano won. And what I remember most, though, was that that was when the, the captains got to pick the teams and Ricky Weeks was picked very, by Prince Fielder, fellow teammate. Very controversial selection. They all wanted Justin Upton, the Diamondbacks fans. And Ricky Weeks swung and missed at a pitch. And it was like, I'm wearing all my Brewer stuff. And I was just, <laughs> can I hide somewhere? Okay, so for the odds this year, Pete Alonso is trying to do what nobody has ever done before, win three straight Home run derbies. He is the odds-on favorite. I've even some book, seen some books, Adam, that have put Alonzo versus the field, where the field is juiced. But uh, Alonzo, a $2 favorite here. Kyle Schwarber is plus 330. Schwarber, should be pointed out, is the number one seed here. He'll take on uh, the number eight seed in Albert Pujols, who is your long shot. 
then Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm seeing Acuna's taking a little action today at uh, at least at DraftKings. He's those two are both now six to one. Then you go Corey Seager nine to one, Julio Rodriguez. After that, Jose Ramirez and Albert Pujols round out the list. Is there anything you're just for fun? I don't know how how analytical you can really get into this, but is there uh, any angles you've got for the Derby? Well, let's start with you because I do I'm, going a, to, I'm going to play, play devil's advocate in a big way on your pick, and I don't want to go first and then yeah, no, this will be good. To say this will be good. I like I kind of like Jose Ramirez tomorrow against uh, Juan Soto. I I feel like too. So, in a nutshell, as well, we saw this last year. Three of the four dogs won outright in the first round. I am of the opinion that unless there's just a titanic mismatch, these lines should really not be any more than like a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty on the favorite. It's just the reality. These guys, like, you can say whatever you want about experience or home runs. These guys are all in the derby for a reason because they can hit dingers, and it's all a matter of okay, in a very small sample size, who ends up in that format in the very fast-paced nature where you're on a timer and you have to get into a groove pretty quickly. Like, how does it work out? And the reality is we really have no idea. It can go one of two ways, and Pete Alonso's the one guy who's proven over time he's been very consistent at that. I'm looking at Jose Ramirez, who's a pretty significant dog in round one against Juan Soto. I'm seeing him in some shops as high as plus 165, uh, which I, I want to look at. If I'm going to look for anything statistical to back this up, and by the way, both guys have hit 19 home runs. Jose Ramirez actually, did you know this, Adam? Uh, second in the AL in uh, launch angle. So if you're at least looking at somebody who is his natural swing is at least putting the ball high in the air. I don't know how much that really correlates. Again, I'm kind of digging here. But Jose Ramirez, 22 on the launch angle. Only Mike, Tr- Mike Trout hits balls higher off the bat than Jose Ramirez in the AL. Uh, give, this is a classic case. Just give me a dog price and a matchup. I perceive to be pretty equal, but everybody, especially with the Juan Soto recent news, are, I think, kind of talking themselves into Soto as being that, oh, he's going to come out with a vengeance. Steamroll everybody. I'm not. I'm not so convinced. What say you? You're going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to very much play devil's advocate. Oh unfortunately, and and God knows I love Jose Ramirez and and my Guardians, but Jose but. Ramirez, since he missed a couple of days with the thumb injury and came back uh, in, on June 21st against Minnesota, yeah, hard hit percentage of 34.1 percent. That's down six percent from where it was prior to when he went for an MRI on that thumb injury. In that span, from June 21st to yesterday, because, of course, today's game was rained out, Jose Ramirez has two barreled balls, a barrel percentage of 2.3%. Prior to going for the MRI, a barrel percentage of 8.2%. So that thumb injury is absolutely impacting him. It has negatively impacted his power. It's impacted his numbers across the board. Now, obviously, this is a much different kind of controlled environment. He's not facing actual pitching. So... Maybe that's something that plays to his benefit. I think your launch angle point is really important to talk about, but I'm just very concerned with Jose Ramirez and the numbers that we've seen since coming back from his MRI, which apparently was clean enough for him to keep playing, but you know his offensive okay. numbers have really gone in the tank. So with that being said, I like Juan Soto to win the event because I think he has the easiest of the first-round matchups. Now, obviously, outside of Kyle Schwarber, I don't think Albert Pujols has a big showing in this, but... Then you get Soto up against Schwarber, and I think something you kind of have to handicap here, and something else I don't really like about Ramirez, he doesn't have the body type for this kind of thing. I mean, he's 5'11", he's kind of a stocky dude, he's got a big, long swing, guy has to really generate a lot behind that swing, too. I think he's a guy that gets tired. I think a bigger guy like Kyle Schwarber could possibly get tired as well. I know Pete Alonso's not a small man, but 
you know, he just seems kind of a little bit more built for this type of event, I think. Whereas I think Juan Soto will be remarkably fresh. Keep in mind, he lost to Pete Alonso in the semifinals last year, 16 to 15. So we could be talking about Juan Soto. And that was after the, uh, the swing off. And right. that was, so I would, that's also the angle too. Like if you have a guy that has to go deep and remember that Soto, oh, so, Soto was the eight seed. Otani was the one mm-hmm. seed. They went to a double swing off, right? Yep. And Soto pretty clearly was gassed into round two. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the other angle, if you're looking to bet this, because we'll see the matchups posted each round. You won't have a lot of time to bet them. But that's what I'd look at. If a guy has to you know, get to 25, 30 home runs to win a round and his opponent from the previous round had a pretty easy time of it, that could also be an angle. The other one I'm looking at, I, and again, I don't really care, and maybe the way the markets are adjusted on this is because it's these guys' first appearances. So maybe you maybe you ding a guy a little bit for not having experience in this specific format. But I don't care that he's a rookie. I don't care that it's his first appearance. Julio Rodriguez, I, I do think, has a chance to make a, a run. And we, we've seen Corey Seager once before in this event. It, it did not go well for Seager. Uh, now, keep in mind, that was six years ago. Lost to Mark Trumbo, of all people, in the 2016 first round. I'm at, I, I was hoping to get Rodriguez at a, a plus money price because he is, I believe, the six seed. Seager is the three seed. Again, that, none of that really matters in the grand scheme of things. But I'm seeing Rodriguez about a dollar fifteen to dollar twenty favorite across the market, so that's pretty much a pick'em. Which again, I think is fair. I think a lot of these matchups should probably be right around that. So Rodriguez is the other guy. I I, I think I'd be interested in looking at, and that's a guy who, for ever anybody who's watched him at all this year, a guy who is as fearless as anybody. And I don't think we'll be afraid of the moment or the the new format. If if they're, also too, you talk about youth in this format, where you got to be able to just take swings and bunches. Seems like a guy who profiles pretty well for that, even though, again, Adam, we've never seen him do it. I will say, I think I like Ronald Acuna Jr. over Pete Alonso in the first round. And it's very hard to say that because Dave Joss has been so good for Pete Alonso in this event. That's something else you need to do is handicap the pitcher. Because in Corey Seager's first round, first run five, six years ago, whatever it was, his dad was his pitcher. He was not good. And, you know, some... It all depends on who you have throwing to you. I mean, you know, you have a time limit. It's not on swings now or outs or anything like that. It's a time limit. So if you're standing there taking a bunch of pitches or you have to swing at stuff on the outer half to try and hit it out the other way, that's not going to work out super well. Acuna's pitcher is the Braves batting practice pitcher, uh, Tomas Perez. So that's a guy that Acuna is very familiar with seeing on a daily basis, a guy that knows how to lay it in there. Obviously, Pete Alonso has that too uh, with Dave Joss, but... You know, that's also something you want to factor in the equation. You know, will Corey Seager have his dad as his pitcher again? And back in Dodger Stadium back, back in Dodger Stadium too. Right. Which is and interesting. I think I saw I want to say somebody was having like a minor league coach, minor league hitting yeah. coach or something like that pitch to them too. That's really important. Try to find out who's going to pitch to these guys. I mean, there was the one year, I don't remember whose dad it was, but he's like throwing cutters. Like everything's Everything sliding off the end of the bat. Yeah. Sliding off the barrel. What? That's not how you win this tournament. Right. And we've, I mean, the last few years, we've seen very, very prominent pitcher parks, or I should say hitter parks featured. Now you have Dodger Stadium, pretty neutral venue. What uh, is there anything that would sway your opinion on that based on uh, on, oh, on what we have here where it, it is, it is a, you're not going to get many cheapies at the Dodger Stadium, to say the least. Right. I'm sort of wondering if we see the juiced ball come back. No. So it may not really matter that well, much. Maybe not. But it, it may be a good way to get rid of whatever surplus is left of the juiced balls because <laughs> Just a lot of them will be souvenirs. So <laughs> Put them all in the bucket. So I, I, like, I haven't made those. Those aren't actual bets in my account. I'm going to do some thinking. But I, I'll be on primetime action tomorrow, which means we'll be sweating the Home Run Derby live, and I will feel obligated to have at least one play in my account, Adam. So you're or going. He, you're going up. Uh, you think uh, Soto wins it all? 
I think Soto. Jorge Mejia, by the way, is pitching to Soto. He's one of his uh, rookie ball hitting coaches. Okay. Probably a guy that's thrown BP quite a bit. Cue me now looking up all these guys and trying to figure <laughs> Absolutely. out. Absolutely. You have to. If Corey Seager's dad is the pitching coach, then we're, we're pounding Julio Rodriguez <laughs> tonight. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> what, a, what a great way to end the show, by the way. Uh, for Adam Burke, for our producer, Brian Ortega, I'm Ben Wilson saying so long on the run line. It is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg coming your way next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This summer, the VSIN. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.